0: morning. We are talking this morning about the Holy Spirit and the way in which he works within our lives. So I'd like you to take your Bibles now as we're turning in the series that we began in September and we're making our way to the end of the fifth chapter in the beginning of the sixth chapter (coughs) where the Apostle Paul, after really in firmly establishing the idea that salvation is based upon being justified, declared righteous by God and not by our works, leads us then to understand how then do we serve God in light of having been justified by faith by God. How do we practically live out our faith in light of what Christ has done for us, gospel-centered living? What I'd like to do is to talk this morning with you briefly about the work of the Holy Spirit found in these verses. We're going to find some interesting connections between what we studied last week and what we are examining this week. As we now pick it up on the 25th verse of the 5th chapter, and we continue on reading into the 6th chapter, where Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's going to be our key verse. So I'll read it again. Since we live by the Spirit, underline this, let us keep in
1: step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other.
0: Brothers, if a man is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently.
1: But watch yourself, you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens,
0: and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Now, if anyone anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each man should test his own actions. And then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each man should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his
1: instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked.
0: A man reaps what he sows. The one who reaps, around who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So these are rich words. They're practical words. They're meant for you. They're meant for me.
1: Let's look to God and pray. We're struck by that phrase. Do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want to pray right now for that weary person who is staring at this week and feels like, what's the use, and wants to give up. Show that person, if he loves Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, It's not the pressure from without, it's the person from within that determines how we approach our week. There are various pressures that people are facing right now in their personal lives,
0: physically, financially.
1: Whatever the situation is, family-wise and otherwise, Father,
0: again, what we're praying is that you will show that person who is so weary, it is not the pressure from without that determines how we approach this week. It is the person from
1: within, the Holy Spirit, who guides us through this week. Throughout this morning, we've had people who are spiritually curious, but may not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and
0: as their Savior. We're praying that through the working of the Holy Spirit, you will engage their heart and show that person, those people, the seriousness of sin, and that Jesus
1: Christ came and paid that penalty when he died in our place for our sins. Thank you, Father, that Jesus Christ, the one who was filled with the Spirit,
0: was led by the Spirit after his baptism into the wilderness, but it was led by the Spirit to be tempted of the evil one. And sometimes we think, if I'm being led by the Spirit, I shouldn't have to face such challenges. But there is an example, a classic example of our Savior, who filled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit in Luke 4, confronted evil head on. And though in a wearied condition prevailed. Now I want to pray for that one who's in a wearied condition. That he or she would be. Filled by the spirit.
1: Led by the spirit.
0: To be empowered from the one within to prevail this week.
1: You know our needs. You know what keeps us awake at night. You see the tears on pillows that nobody
0: else sees, and you also understand the exhilaration, the highs, the joys, Father, that come from those who fully appreciate the fact that the joy of our Lord is our strength. Minister, Father,
1: to both the highs and the lows in our gathering. Warm these hearts. Engage these minds. Shape these wills, Because again, Father, we've come here to see Jesus. Him only. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit.
0: Irving Berlin, around 1918, put together a song for the military as they were venturing out to Europe in the battle of World War I. A song that resonated in the hearts of the people, both in this nation and abroad. Jimmy's mother went to see his son marching along on parade. In his uniform and with his gun, what a lovely picture he made. She came home that evening filled up with delight, and to all the neighbors she would yell with all her might, Did you see my little Jimmy marching with the soldiers up the avenue? There was Jimmy just as stiff as starch like his daddy on the 17th of March. Away he went to live in a tent over in France with his regiment. Were you there? And tell me, did you notice?
1: They were all out of step but Jim. What does it mean to be in step with the Spirit? Did you see the
0: connection that God has made in these verses? The connection between verse 18 and 25 in the fifth chapter? For in verse 18, you and I are challenged to be led by the Spirit. That means that that is a passive state for us. The Holy Spirit takes the initiative. Yet in verse 25, you and I are told to keep in step with the Spirit. That requires responsibility on our part. What does that mean to be to keep in step with the spirit? As Paul wrote this, he wrote in the days of the Roman Empire, and his readers would have been well aware of the Roman military. There would be a cadence, and as the cadence was shouted out, soldiers would march in step with the cadence. Now, what God is saying to believers is, is that through the work of the Holy Spirit, who inspired the Scriptures, the Scriptures become our cadence. And we know that we are being led by the Spirit, and we can understand if we are keeping in step with the Spirit, if we are living in cadence with what the Scriptures what the Holy Spirit has inspired for us to apply. So, I want to talk briefly this morning about three marks of those who are absolutely and thoroughly committed to keeping in step with the Spirit, Holy Spirit guided people who are born again and love Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Three marks. And the first mark is found in verse 1, where we're informed, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. The first mark is this, number one, that by keeping in step with the Spirit, we seek to restore
1: fallen believers Gently, not harshly, gently. But we're going to unpack now this verse because there are
0: three questions that are lurking in this one verse that have practical implications for the way in which we function as a church family, as well as how people in homes function as a biological or adoptive family. Three questions. And the first question is this, with regard to this fallen person. What should be done? And here's your answer in that verse. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin,
1: restore him. Now, we're going to have to draw this out a little bit, aren't we? And you
0: might remember with me that in that story that we learned of time past where Cain had just killed Abel, God comes looking, comes searching, comes seeking out Cain and wants to know something with regard to where Cain's brother Abel is. And Cain cynically and sarcastically responds, Am I my brother's keeper? Now, Paul answers that question in verse 1. Brothers, we're talking family here. If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Now, notice that word caught. Underline that one. It doesn't have to do with you and me spying out people's private lives. You and I are not called to be the Holy Spirit. The word caught carries with it the idea to slip on rough terrain. It has to do with the whole aspect of slippage. In what is now modern-day Turkey, but at that time, Asia Minor, the people to whom Paul wrote, this was a mountainous terrain. It was not unusual for people to be limping and hurting because of the rough paths that they had to travel. What fascinates us here is that this is what is being described as unintentional sin. The wise believer who studies the scriptures thoroughly makes distinctions, as does God. In this case, God is referring to that unintentional slippage on the passage in the path of life. And it begs the question, then, what should be done, would you notice that word "restore" and the phrase "restore him? The word "restore," which you want to underline or circle, was an orthopedic term. It describes taking a limb which has been dislocated or a bone which has been broken and put back into place. It is a medical term. And so now, what you and I are called in this family of faith, if we love Jesus as Lord and Savior, is to be able to embrace the, uh, embrace the idea its brother and sister. There are going to be times in this pilgrimage of life where slippage occurs, but we perform orthopedic surgery here. And we are involved in addressing dislocations. We're involved in ministering to the breakages of life and meeting needs. Her name is Dr. Barbara Bergen, and Barbara is an orthopedic surgeon. And so I was very interested in Barbara's take because there will be spiritual undertones to anything she says orthopedically. Listen to this, taken from an excerpt, A Nation in Motion, how we deal with dislocation. I often find myself telling many of my patients what not to do instead of what to do, and this is probably because it is often easier to dole out restrictions than recommendations. Here's an example. Don't eat sugar. Now, that's easier than trying to tell a patient under what circumstances it's okay to eat sugar. So here's an orthopedic one as an orthopedic surgeon. Don't do squats. For a number of reasons, they're really not so good for you. They are especially not good for women because of our unique kneecaps. But when I give this advice, patients often ask me if there aren't some ways or circumstances in which they can do squats. Then I've got to get into specifics, like,
1: sure, you can do squats if you've got to do CPR on another person. But here's an easy one on my do list. Do
0: single leg standing exercises. Stand on one leg and then the other every day. Start young. You don't even have to take time out of your busy day to do it. Stand on one leg when you're waiting on the microwave. Stand on one leg when you're brushing your teeth. You better, you get better and better at it, and eventually you can do it almost any time you are standing around with nothing else to do. I can see what it's going to look like in the hallway.
1: The benefits of single-leg standing are straightforward.
0: It helps prevent falls.
1: For you see, I am an orthopedic surgeon. I get involved in putting together what gets broken.
0: But I am deeply committed to preventative
1: medicine where we go out of our way to prevent falls from happening. Do you see the spiritual principles operating in those recommendations?
0: You see, the body of Christ understands spiritual orthopedic surgery, how we are to address dislocation and breakage
1: because of slippage on the terrain of life's journey. Restoration, a medical tip. Notice here it is
0: restoration, not retribution. It's not getting even with someone who's fallen. Now we say they had what's coming to them. Because God is a God of grace as well as God of justice. Notice, furthermore, it says, restore him. This is not self-restoration. So then there is a consciousness here of what is necessary to minister well. A second question. Who should do it? Who should do it? The answer? You who are spiritual. But who is spiritual? Again, you allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. And what Paul has done, as we noted last week, is that there were some significant phrases that stood out in our study together. Such as in verse 16 of the fifth chapter, where Paul wrote, So I say, live by the Spirit. And in verse 18, to be led by the Spirit. And in verse 22, to demonstrate fruit of the Spirit. And now in verse 25, to keep in step with the Spirit. Not every brother is being described here. It is the spiritually mature one where all of these distinctives are operative, who now steps forward to be able to provide Spiritual orthopedics, which means now you and I have got to examine ourselves and ask, where am I at in this entire process? Am I living by the Spirit? Am I being led by the Spirit? Do I demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit? Am I keeping in step militarily, so to speak, with the cadence of the Word of God inspired by the Spirit? But a third Question, how should it be done? And the answer here, restorm gently. You see that word? Draw a line back to verse 23 of the fifth chapter, where among the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is the word gentleness. Gentleness. In the Greek, your New Testament is written in Greek. The word for gentle means literally power under control or strength under control. You don't want your orthopedic surgeon to attempt to do surgery where his emotions are out of control. What we want is for that For that ability to be harnessed, disciplined, so that this is not destructive, but rather constructive. Now what God is saying here is this. God's people are strong people because we have the Holy Spirit operative within us. But this power from within, due to this person from within, is such that there is this, there is this governor that is placed over our, our physical and emotional state so that we are constructive and not destructive when it comes to those who are
1: vulnerable, those who have slipped. Is your strength under control or out of control in the home? Is your power out of control or in control at work? How is it of your life? Are you keeping in step with spirit?
0: Questions we've got to be able to ask questions we've got to be able to answer. There's a second mark here. We've looked at this whole issue of restoring fallen believers. Gently. But notice further, verse 2 down through verse 5, that by keeping in step with the Spirit, that secondly, we seek to carry various burdens discerningly. And you say, well, Gary, what do you mean by that? There are at least two types of burdens now that are going to be described in verse 2, and in particular, verse 5. Notice verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Notice that this is something that involves the fellowship of believers, the family of faith. That we're working together as a team. We carry each other's burdens. But there's an interesting definition tied to this word burden in verse 2 in the original language. It pertains to a particular weight load which is beyond lift
1: capacity.
0: It pertains to a particular weight load which is beyond lift capacity. In other words, what you've got to be able to do is to evaluate that brother or sister in Christ who is being overwhelmed by life. You may be prone to say, but I've been able to handle that. I've addressed that issue in my past. Why can't he? Why can't she? But just as we are all different physically, so we are at all different stages of life spiritually. And so what we are, if we now move into the weight room, we become spotters, and we become trainers, and we are examining very carefully the capacity of that particular individual when it comes to the whole matter of lift. And we ask, is this particular issue such that that individual now is operating beyond lift capacity? They can no longer do it himself, herself.
1: If so, we step in. And we rally the family together to lift this jointly. But
0: I want you to connect this now with verse 5. Because in verse 5, you and I are informed that each one should carry his own load. And you say, well, Gary, is that a contradiction? On one hand, you and I are informed that each should carry, we should carry each other's burdens, verse 2. Well, in verse 5, each one should carry his own load. Now, the word load here in verse 5 was a word picture to describe a soldier who had a backpack on as he was entering into battle.
1: Life is a battleground, not a playground.
0: And the wise military leaders knew just how much that soldier capacity-wise, should have on his back and still be able to function effectively on the battlefield. Now, what God is saying to you and to me at this point is that life is a battlefield. But there is also individual as well as corporate responsibility. So God looks very carefully at you and me, and you and I, each and every one of us, have responsibilities that we ourselves are meant to carry and not shirk them and expect somebody else to come along and lift them for us. Capacities vary, but responsibilities intact, each one should carry his own load. Tie it together. Booker T. Washington, in his book Up from Slavery, wrote these words. The most trying ordeal that I was forced to endure as a slave boy was wearing a flax shirt. In the portion of Virginia where I lived, it was common to use flax as part of the clothing for slaves. That part of the flax from which our clothing was made was largely the refuse, which, of course, was the cheapest and roughest part. I can scarcely imagine any torture except perhaps the pulling of a tooth that is equal to their cause by putting on a new flax shirt upon a young boy for the first time. It is almost equal to the feeling that would, one would experience if he had a dozen or more chestnut burrs or a hundred small pinpoints in contact with his flesh as he goes out into the fields to work for 16 hours under hot sun. But I had no choice. <clears throat> I had to wear the flax shirt. But then came my brother John, seven years older than I, who would perform one of the most generous acts that I ever heard of one slave relative doing for another. For when I was about to be forced to wear a new flax shirt, he generously agreed to put it on in my stead. And wear it for several days until it was
1: broken in. And I thought of Paul. And I thought of the Galatians.
0: And I think of the wonderful people of this congregation. And now we tie this together and we ask ourselves, how can this get worked out practically in our adult Bible fellowships? How can this get worked out practically in our care groups? How can this get worked out practically in our youth group? How can this get worked out practically in the overall ministries of our church? Well, we make connections and we make distinctions simultaneously carry each other's burdens when it is beyond lift capacity. But where we are under or at lift capacity, each one should carry his own load. And now individual and corporate responsibility is connected, tied together. And when we do this, when we do this, we are keeping in step
1: with the Spirit Take a look at this picture. It's taken from Pilgrim's Progress.
0: I want you to examine carefully what is happening to this man known as Christian. Notice that he's in rugged terrain. He's got a walking stick, which means that he's on a pilgrimage. There is some kind of body in motion here. He's got a book in his hand. It's the Bible. But like a lot of us, he's he's stooped. He's weary. But what captures our eyes is that he's got a burden. He's got something on his back, and yet he is looking upward. And as I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where I was a den. And I laid me down in that place to sleep, and as I slept I had dreamed a dream, and I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags, standing in a certain place, with his face from his own house, a book in his hand, and noticed this. You see it? A great burden upon his back. And I looked and saw him open the book and read therein, and as he read he wept and trembled, and not being able longer to contain he break out with a lamentable cry saying what shall i do which is the question of humanity and we enter this world sinful by nature with the penalty of sin to be addressed in our matter of faith relationship to christ at the cross who took our iniquities upon him you see
1: that is a weight-bearing matter that was beyond my capacity and set me free. There are backpacks
0: in this battleground of life that I am responsible for carrying. But when the burdens of life move beyond lift capacity, I've got brothers and sisters who come together And with spiritual shoulders intact, we step together.
1: We step out together. We step in accordance with the Spirit.
0: Which leads us then to this third mark of one who is keeping in step with the Spirit. That thirdly, by keeping in step with the Spirit, we seek to apply harvest principles willingly. Now he moves out of the medical and through the military into the agricultural world to continue to look for ways to communicate truth, changeless truths in changing times. And there are two aspects to the harvest principles with multiple sub-points that are tied to them, but we'll summarize Notice in verse 6, he addresses the whole issue of and what we share. Very carefully in verse 6, Paul goes on to pen these thoughts. Anyone who receives instruction in the word, meaning the scriptures, must share all good things with his instructor, If we're keeping in step with the Spirit, then, you and I are committed to the tithe and the offering. But what's fascinating is that the word share, you want to circle it, carries with it the idea of koinonia, to be in fellowship with the Spirit. And so the sharing extends far beyond the instructor to all the ministries that that instructor has to oversee among the people that God pulls together as a local body. Awana, Youth Group, Curriculums, Outreach, Missions, and so forth. In what we share, the Greek word koinonia. And if this is not being followed, we are simply out of step with the Spirit. But there is a second aspect to this, not only in what we share, but furthermore, in what we sow. And now we get to the whole matter of the harvest. Look carefully at the agricultural imagery unfolding in front of your very eyes. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up out of those verses come what I'll call the three laws of the harvest number 1
1: we reap what we sow And so the seed is indicative of what it is
0: that will be produced fruit-wise. We reap what we sow. But number two, we reap more than we sow. That simple seed planted in the soil, when that plant emerges, gives forth, Lord willing to, abundant fruit because of that one seed. Laws of the harvest apply To all aspects of our lives, we reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow. But the third law of the harvest we reap in a different season than we sow. We plant in the spring, the harvest in the fall. We don't scatter seed in icy conditions in the winter. It means, then, that the wise parent, the wise believer, the wise single person, the wise person at work understands the connection between seed, soil, and season. And so we examine the seed. Then we examine the soil conditions. Then we examine the season of life that we're in and ask, is this the time for planting or is this the time of harvesting? and we make the distinctions, and we communicate these principles in a way that have practical application to those who so desperately need to see what does it mean to truly keep in step with the Spirit. A man who had been a soldier named Ralph understands that. Barbara Taylor describes a scene where a university professor had been invited to speak at a military base one December, and they're meeting uh, what she describes as an unforgettable soldier named Ralph. Ralph had been sent to meet him at the airport, and after they had been introduced to one another, they headed toward the baggage claim. As they walked down the concourse, Ralph kept disappearing, Wants to help an older woman whose suitcase had fallen open. Wants to lift two toddlers up when a wearied young mother was unable to do so. And again, to give directions to someone who is lost. And each time he came back with an incredibly big smile
1: on his face. The professor asks, where did you learn to do that? Do what, Ralph asked. Where did you learn to live like that? on the battlefield, he said, during the Vietnam War. And then he told the
0: professor about his tour of duty in Vietnam where he had come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. A setting about how it was his job to clear minefields, minefields. How he watched his friends blow up before his eyes one after another.
1: That's what he said next that caught my attention as to how this relates. Quote, I learned to live between steps. He said. I never I never knew whether the next step would be my last
0: step. So I learned to get everything I could out of the moment between when I picked up my foot and when I put it down again. I guess it's what the Bible calls
1: keeping in step with the Spirit. And since I came to know Jesus as my
0: Lord and Savior, every step I now take is a whole new world experience. And I guess I've just been that
1: way. Ever since. And Paul nods his head in agreement. As he looks at all those wearied by the battlefield of life. And since we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's stand together. And so, Father, we want to get our arms around these verses. Some of us are in need of spiritual orthopedics. Others of us are called the spiritual orthopedics. I pray the power is under control. We're carrying various burdens. You've said carry each other's burdens. But you've also said for each one should carry his own load. Help us wisely to measure lift capacity in this family of faith. Understand where responsibility lies and minister effectively for you.
0: And there's harvest laws, harvest principles
1: we've got to apply in what we share and how we sow. Give us wisdom, Father, because we're so tired of being out of step in this fallen world.
0: But by your grace, through your word, we leave here committed. Keeping in step with the Spirit is a priority
1: of ours. Guide us as we seek the cadence of life in the obstacles we face for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you.